Welcome to Revealed Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. Reach for your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians, book of Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. When you have found that, if you would be so kind as to stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word, and we'll start uh, in the 8th verse of the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And it reads like this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Father, this morning we have worshipped you through our fellowship, through the singing of hymns, through the wonderful song that was just sung that spoke the truth of the fact that you exchanged this wretched life of mine for the wonderful, glorious, righteous life of your Son, Jesus Christ. And and it brings to remembrance the fact that I once was darkness, and now I am light because of what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done. So this morning, Father, as we open your word, let us focus solely upon what you're about to say to us. Let us hear the still, small voice of your Holy Spirit. As he speaks to our hearts, let us hear the soft shuffle of sandals feet as he passes by. Let us feel his touch on our life as we fall under conviction of the sin and the fact that we still have darkness that shows up in our life. And this morning when we leave this place, make us different. Not for our glory, but for yours alone. Hide me behind the cross and make very little of me and very much of you that you may be glorified in this place. This we pray in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about this walk of light. And uh, whenever Paul started the fourth chapter of Ephesians, which started the application process of the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters being the theology. Starting in the fourth chapter, he started applying that theology to our life. He started the fourth chapter with the words, walk worthy, walk worthy. Part of that worthy walk is the walk of light or walking in light. And we talked about that last week, some about what light is and, and how light can be an intellectual thing it can be a moral thing as it's spoken about in the bible but then paul rolls into this fifth chapter and he makes it pretty plain to us what he's talking about he started first with the comparison between light and darkness which we started on last week and we found out that darkness uh was uh something that that we didn't want to be in we we realized that before we came to know jesus christ we weren't only in darkness but paul says we were darkness We weren't a victim to sin. We were sin. Our lives were wrapped up in this darkness. So we talked about what is this darkness? What's the first thing that Paul compares for us is darkness. We found out, number one, that that darkness is is the work of Satan. It's the work of Satan in, in the world. We also found out that darkness is the power of Satan, as he tells us in Colossians 1, 13, when he says that we've been delivered from that power of darkness. We also found out that darkness brings God's penalty. We like to think that God is a God of love and stop there. 
But let us never forget God hates sin. God absolutely despises sin. How do we know that? He killed his only son that we might have forgiveness from that sin. He placed his son upon a cross to die because of sin. That's a measure of hate that none of us are willing to step up to bat for. I will not put my new grandson upon a cross for any of you. (laughs) I will not hang myself upon a cross for you. I hate sin, but not to the magnitude that God hates sin. God hates sin so bad, so much, that he had his own son die that we might be forgiven of that sin. So there is never forget a penalty for sin. We stopped last week talking about God's wrath in sin. We'll pick up there this week. It says that that God has a wrath upon the darkness. See, Jesus tells a story that backs it up in Matthew chapter 8. Flip over to Matthew chapter 8 with me. Matthew chapter 8. In verse 10, we'll pick up in the middle of the story. This is the story of the centurion. If you remember the story of the centurion. In the story of the centurion, uh, he came to Jesus asking something of Jesus. If you remember, he said, Lord, I'm not worthy, in verse 8, that you should come under my roof. He said, I'm not worthy that you would come to my house, but I need something that's at my house taken care of. And, And I know what it means to be an authority, for I'm in a position of authority. I know what it means to be an authority, and you have the authority to do what I am asking of you without even setting foot in my house. He said, I'm not worthy for you to come over. It's kind of like whenever you look at your wife, as I do sometimes, and say, hey, so-and-so is getting ready to stop by. She says, get the vacuum cleaner. It's time to clean up. You know, all of a sudden, when somebody's coming to the house, you want your house to be in order. The centurion said, I'm not worthy for you to come in, but I do understand. But you have the power to do that which I am asking. I, I believe that you have. And he picks up in verse 10. When Jesus says this, it says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. What is the it that he heard? It's the faith in this insurance. He goes on to say, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He starts off by saying, wow, wow, the faith of this centurion, I have not even found in all of Israel. He goes on to say in verse 11, and I say that to you that many will come from east and from west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's playing back on that Hebrew thought process that's going on as they place the fathers, as you see, Father Abraham, Father Isaac, Father Jacob, as those great, uh, great believers, those great patriarchs of the faith. He places into the story, he said, there'll be many that'll come. But he says in verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Notice the contrast there between light and darkness and the outcome. He said there will be many who will show up half-heartedly believing, participating in The things of the day, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the law. How do we apply that today? We call it church. We call it religion. The Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of our day is what we're doing this morning. Participating in church. He said there'll be many who have participated 
in the law of the time, the the tradition of the time, the things of the time, that they're going to (laughs) come and it says they're going to be cast out. What does it mean to be cast out? It means you'll no longer be in the presence of God in any shape or form. You'll be in a place that it says has weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Have you ever hurt so bad that you ground your teeth in hopes that the pain would go away? Have you ever hurt so bad that all you could do was cry? All you could do was weep? That the slightest movement of your body brought tears to your eyes and brought a clenching of your jaw because it hurt so bad? There was such agony? Do you see the picture that Jesus himself is painting? He says those who are not in the light, who do not have the faith to believe that Jesus can do that which he said he could do, will be placed in a place where weeping will never stop and the clenching of your teeth in hopes that the pain will go away will never stop. You want a picture of wrath? There it is. God, that the Bible says is a God of love, is going to cast them into darkness. Is that his desire for them? No. For the Bible says he desires that all would be saved. But he also understands if you desire not to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he'll cast you into darkness. He gives you the opportunity. He gives you the opportunity every Sunday to hear the gospel. He gives you the opportunity who know the gospel to go out and tell someone the gospel every week. There is no excuse because even Paul said that just the very creation around us tells us there's a God. So the excuse that I've never heard the gospel is is irrelevant because the gospel can be seen in what God has created. All will have the opportunity to know that there is a Jesus. There will be those who choose to not have faith. What is their outcome? They're in darkness and they'll receive the wrath of God. Just as there is forewarning about what it means to be saved, there is also forewarning for us about what it means not to be saved. See, God's not going to slip up at the last day and surprise any of us. He's not going to slip up on the last day and say, okay, I hadn't told you how the story worked or how the game was played, but some of you made it and some of you didn't. No, he laid out the rules from the very beginning. Page one, chapter one of the book of Genesis. When he laid out in the very first book of the Bible that they could do all things, all things they could do in the garden, they could partake of all things except for one tree. All things except one tree. What did Adam and Eve choose to do? Turn their back on God's instruction, on God's blessing, because he had said they could have all things. Turn their back on God and eat of the tree. It's no different than us. God has made us promises that blow our mind in His Word. Yet we choose to turn our back on those promises and do that which is of the darkness. What is the ultimate outcome of darkness? God's wrath. See, He said there will be those that will stand there before God on their own merit, saying, I've been to church, I've I've, I've been in Sunday school, I've been baptized, I've walked the aisle, I've read the Bible a hundred times, I I love to sit around and talk about this man named Jesus. They're going to show up on all the things they have done, and what they're going to be missing is what God has done. 
God has done the one thing we can't do, provide a salvation. And they're going to show up. And, and what's going to happen when they show up with all those laws, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our church rules, our tradition, our religion, when they show up on all that, God's going to look at them. Just as he says in another place in the Bible, he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. See, the only way you can know who God is, is to know his son, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. All the intellectual knowledge about this God, all the intellectual knowledge about the stories of Jesus, all the intellectual knowledge in the world gets you one thing. A place where there's gnashing of teeth, darkness, and weeping. Intellectually, it makes no difference what you know. If it's never taken root in your heart. If it's never changed the outcome of your life. If you've never turned your life over to God, trusting that He will do those things that He promises in His Word. See, the difference between darkness and light is the Lordship of Jesus Christ, not the knowledge about who that man is. You see, who are those that get cast? It are those that depend upon their own righteousness, those things that they have done, those that believe that keeping the rules make all the difference, those who follow the church doctrine, those who think it's all about living a good life. I don't know how many people I talk to about Jesus that say, yeah, I'm right with Jesus. I live a good life. Do you know hell is going to be full of people who have lived a good life? Because the greatest sinners in all the world do good things. And why? Because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel good. It's all about them. They give out of their wealth because it makes them feel good. They walk a little old lady across the street because it makes them feel good. See, we're not to do the things that are good to make us feel good. We're to do the things that are good because God is good and He is our God. See, one day there will be a day of reckoning. One day each of us will have the opportunity to stand before Jesus, the man who stretched His arms out on a cross to die for our sins. For some, He's going to say, great job, you faithful servant. Come on in. For some, he's going to say, you're with the goats. Depart from me. For I do not even know who you are. There will be a day we'll all stand in front of that Jesus. What is the greatest excuse that you can give Jesus for why he should accept you? Is there anything you have ever done that trumps him giving his life for you? If not, you'll go with the goats. Unless his death on that cross has made a difference in your life, there is nothing you have ever done that trumps that. And at the end of the day, you'll fold your hand and you'll head to a place called hell. Because there is wrath. See, that is the darkness. That's the side that we all were in or some are still in. Let's talk about where some of us have moved. Because this is the glorious part. This is the part we heard about sung this morning. This is the part that we're here for. I don't like to hear about the darkness. I've had some accuse me of beating you over the head with your sin. And I'll continue to beat you over the head with the sin. Do you, do you know why? Let me go ahead and get that out for you right out in the wide open. Do you know why I preach about sin so much? So that's what Jesus talked about. I open the Bible. The next place in the Bible that we're at is what I preach. 
Do you think I enjoy hearing about who I was? No. But you know what I do know about myself? If I don't remember who I was, I'll quickly be that person again. And it's wonderful to me to know that Paul will openly talk about who I was, but then he'll turn and tell me who I now am. For the second thing, he talked about first the darkness. The second thing he talks about is the the light. Paul says that we are light. You'll notice he says we were darkness. The next thing he says in verse 8, but now you are light. See, suddenly this life that was so full of sin that it was black has a light bulb turned on. That light bulb is Jesus Christ. Suddenly your light becomes like Jesus. Have you ever thought about it? Just hit me. There will be no sunrise in heaven. There will be no moonrise in heaven. There will be no light switches in heaven. Do you know what is going to light all of heaven for all of eternity? Jesus. The light. The glory of God. Guess what? When he says you are light, that's what Paul says about you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the same light that lights all of heaven for all of eternity is the light that is within you. The light of the glory of God. He tells us in Colossians, over in Colossians 1. Colossians 1, he tells us about this. Paul, as he's writing to the church at Colossae in verse 9 of chapter 1, he says this. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Hear the prayer of a pastor. Hear a prayer of a pastor who has a church and and he's asking that the church be filled with the understanding of God's will in their life. He goes on to verse 10 to say that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Remember how he started verse or chapter 4 of Ephesians? The worthy walk. Paul says, I want you to be filled so that you walk worthy. So that the name that you carry of Christ is a name that makes it worthy of who it is. In other words, when someone says that you are a Christian, they see Jesus. He says, I want you to walk worthy. He says, fully pleasing him. How many of you Christians would love to know that God would look at you right now and be fully pleased with all that you've done? What an awesome thought. He goes on to say, being fruitful in every good work, all that you do, bringing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God, not just sitting on your laurels, not saying that one day I was baptized, so I'm a Christian, all's been done. No, constantly increasing in your knowledge of God. Why? So that your fruit continues to bear and continues to be fully pleasing to God. He goes on to say in verse 11, strengthened with all might. How many of you need strength this morning? I tell you what, I'm tired sometimes. Sometimes I'm physically tired. A lot of times I'm spiritually tired. I never knew being a pastor was as difficult or me and God would have renegotiated some things early on. Sometimes I just get tired. But you know what God's promise is? If I am walking in the light and doing that which he helps me to do, I walk in his strength. You realize God's never took a nap. God's never needed a break. He says that we are going to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. How powerful is God? He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Have any of you ever raised anyone from the dead? (laughs) Me either. Oh, how I prayed that someone wouldn't die. But I have never gone into a graveyard and said, come forth. And it happened. But God has. (laughs) 
Remember Jesus and his friend Lazarus? Stood before the door. I'm so glad. In one way I am, in one way I'm not. But I'm glad he said, Lazarus, come forth. Because you know what would have happened if he stood before the grave and said, come forth? All the dead people would have got up. (laughs) Boy, that would have been something. But he says, according to his glorious power, full of all patience and long-suffering with joy. (laughs) Those are a couple of things I need sometimes, patience and long-suffering. But then he goes on to say in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be, he, the Father, has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. See, it's that light within you that qualifies you to be a partaker of the inheritance. All those things he just listed. He goes on to say, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Remember, we said the power of darkness is Satan's power. It says, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's a great place for an amen. You think about what was just said. The light of Jesus Christ in your life because of your faith to believe in what he did upon the cross being sufficient to forgive you of your sins gives you all the inheritance of God and places you into the kingdom of his love and he's done that through the redemption, the buying back of us from that darkness into light through the very blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood forgave us of our sins. If there's nothing else you want to jump up and scream about, hallelujah today, that's a good spot to do it. Because God did for us that which we didn't even desire and that which we could not do. He made us in right standing with Jesus Christ, with him through that precious blood that flowed from the cross. See, we are partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. We've been delivered from that darkness into his kingdom And that kingdom is the kingdom of light. I love the way it's said over in 1 Peter. Flip with me to 1 Peter. There's been a wonderful song written about 1 Peter chapter 2. A wonderful song. We'll just read a couple of verses since I'm already running late. I know you can't believe that. But uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, it says this. But you are a chosen generation. He's saying, remember, God picked you. You're a chosen generation. He goes on to say, you're also a royal priesthood. You're a priest. Man, I hope my wife remembers that when I get home today. She says, you are a priest. She says that all the time to me. I'm a priest. There it is. We're a holy nation. We are to be holy. He says, his own special people. Have you ever had a thought run through your mind that you're special to God? He just told us we're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him. Here it is. Who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. What what they're saying in the word to us is God picked us. God bought us from darkness. He brought us into his marvelous light. And Paul was saying when he wrote to us in Ephesians, act like it. Quit sitting and soaking and souring. Don't look like you just sucked a spiritual lemon. Remember what God did for you. Remember, he made a promise. He made a promise to never leave you or forsake you. He made a promise that no matter what happens to you in this life, he's got you. 
He's holding you in the palm of his hand and nobody can take you out. He's made you a promise that no matter how difficult this world gets, this is not your home. That one day you're going to be in his presence forever. When the world looks at you, do they believe you're happy about that? See, your light should so shine that the people who are unsaved come to you like a moth to the flame. How do people come to know who Jesus Christ is? They look at you. To me, that's a sobering thought. Every little action, most times the smallest of actions. It's not the time that you have the track in your pocket and you witness to them. It's the time they see you in the grocery store line and a lady ahead of you in the 12-item aisle has two buggies. That's when they see who Jesus is. It's when the person cuts you off on the road. That's when they see who your Jesus is. It's when you see somebody walking down the side of the road and you go, it's not safe to pick them up. And God says, get them anyway. And you turn around and go pick them up. And you find out (laughs) they've just been asking God for a ride. That's when they see who your Jesus is. It's amazing to me to think. It is amazing to me to think that we have been given such a glorious gift from God. Yet the world doesn't see it. It's saddening. For me to think that the world doesn't see it. Since we're already out of time, I'm going to tell you a story I just heard on the radio this morning. Matter of fact, I left a while ago to listen to it again. It was a sermon called 20 Miles Short. It's a story from the Bible about someone who was told that they were to put up a place called Bethel. I'll let you fill in the gaps. They were to have this place called Bethel. They were to venture on to their uncle's place and they would return to this place called Bethel. Bethel, Bethel, in case you don't know, is the place of God. The El means God. They stopped just short of that place on their return, 20 miles short to be exact, and built their own temple. Their daughter wound up being raped and taken by those that were there. Wound up the two brothers of the daughter, slayed everyone there, murdered them. Wound up, the family pretty much fell apart. Why? Because they stopped 20 miles short. I think about this morning, how short have we stopped in letting the world see our light? How close have we been to the world seeing Jesus, yet we've stopped? For some, you may have never come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're not 20 miles short. You're a million miles short. You see, there's only one reason that you would not want Jesus to be your Savior. It's because you want to be your own God. It's because you want to be in complete control of your life. I have some bad news for you. You're not in control of your life now. Satan is. Satan is the prince, the power of the airwaves. He is in control of those things that happen in your life. You may think, no, I choose to go out and party. I choose to... No, you don't. Satan is in control of you. This morning you have the opportunity to step out of that darkness into the most glorious light that there ever was, and his name is Jesus Christ. This morning I pray the conviction falls upon your heart and you realize 
that there's darkness. Don't let the shame of the darkness of your heart place you under God's wrath. For many, they don't want to step out and admit it. But here's what I know. In this room, there are many who have already admitted. When I talked about the darkness, they saw what they were in the darkness. If this morning you choose to make Jesus the light of your life, there won't be condemnation from those gathered here. There will be rejoicing because you have seen the light. Then for those who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who profess to have the light of Jesus Christ in your life, let me ask you this morning, does your neighbor know it? Does your coworker know it? Does the guy at the corner store that you see every time you fill up with gas know it? Sure, you may tell him you go to church. But does he know that Jesus is the reason for everything in your life? Do they know that the light of your life is this God-man named Jesus? See, if we don't, if they don't, if they can't look at you and see the difference, you've pulled up 20 miles short. See, because God calls us to be holy, because He is holy. A holy life is a life filled with the light of Jesus Christ. And the light of Jesus Christ is a light on a hill without a bushel basket over it that the entire world sees. Are you being the light of Jesus Christ this morning? For some of us to be the light, we must place our feet in a place that is all about the light, like this church home. You see, you can be a Christian without being part of a church, but you can never be an effective Christian without being a part of a church. How do I know that? Where do you get your support? If you're not a member of a church, if you don't have a group of fellow believers around you, and your world falls apart, where's your support? Not only that, but do you realize each of us are gifted and talented by God in a very special way? In a way that fits intricately into the body of Jesus Christ. For some, they, they may sing. For some, they may play a piano. For some, there's the ministry of just the smiling face on Sunday morning that welcomes people. For some, it's the making of food. As you heard me read to you, that family was astounded at your love for them through the simplest of things. But do you know what happens when you choose not to place your membership in the body? The peace that you're built for never gets accomplished. Never gets accomplished. I hate to break the news to you. The pastor doesn't do it all. My job's really easy. My job's really easy. My job is to tell you what God says that we all should do, be doing my part, my piece, and motivating you to do your piece. The pastor does not do it all. Y'all are evidence of that. There's things that happen every week, be honest with you, I know nothing about. I walk into the place and find out what you did, and I get to rejoice with them in the joy of what you caused to happen. Maybe this morning you're looking for a place for God to use you. It's not because I'm the pastor here, but I'm going to tell you, I don't think you could find a finer place in all of Pender County, New Hanover County, Brunswick County, anywhere than this church. Why? Because y'all have been evidence of the light of Jesus Christ in your life in this community for two plus years I've been here now. 
Rarely a time goes by that I don't stop somewhere, and if I tell them I'm the pastor here, they immediately start talking about you guys. That's being a light to the world. So maybe this morning God's convicting you to join our fellowship. I pray that you'll stop during this invitation and think. Think about the light in your life. Maybe it's growing dim. Maybe you know the light's there, but it's growing dim. How do you re-oil that lamp? You come in true repentance, humbly falling before God and saying, God, there are things in my life that still reflect the darkness that I was and ask for forgiveness, trusting in the fact he tells us, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God who said he would save you through his son, Jesus Christ, also said he would keep you saved and would continually to uh, forgive you of your sins that you commit after you've been saved. Maybe this morning, you need to trim the wick of your light so that it shines brighter. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.